Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Dustin. I have the privilege of serving as uh, the pastor of student ministries here at Hillcrest. We're super excited to have you join us. I want to say a special shout out and welcome to our Spanish Trail family that's tuning in watching this morning. And also to those that are watching online, we are grateful uh, that you are tuning in with us uh, as well this morning. So we are right in the middle of a series entitled uh, World Changers, where we are looking at different characteristics that should be present in believers if we are to be effective world changers. So week one of this series uh, focused on world-changing love. And then last week we looked at world-changing enthusiasm. This week, we are going to be looking at the idea of world-changing humility. Now, when Pastor Jim developed this series, he chose who would lead which message. So, for instance, uh, last week, uh, we were talking about world-changing enthusiasm. He asked uh, Dan over at Spanish Trail and Brian Davis to lead here um, last week. So, for this week... Pastor Jim chose me to lead the message on humility. Now, I'm honored that with such an outstanding staff, just godly people all over this place, that Pastor Jim would choose me to speak on humility. And can I tell you this morning, without a doubt... He nailed it, right? I mean, if we are being honest, there's nobody better suited for this than me. I am, without question, the most humble person on our staff. Without question. But friends, as I look around this room this morning and look into the room at Spanish Trail or even into the living rooms, wherever you're tuning in this morning, I realize that this is not about me being the most humble person on the Hillcrest staff. No, this is really about me being the most humble person in all of Northwest Florida. So I am really excited for what all of you get to learn from me today. So let's get started. You know, it's really, really funny how God puts things in front of us to sharpen us in areas that need attention in our lives. You know, for me personally, I am terrified of the idol of pride. And as I've prepared this message over the past few weeks, I've come to realize how easily that I allow pride to slip into different areas of my life. And now I hope this morning that I'm the only one who deals with this. I really do. But in all likelihood, some of you probably battle this idol as well. And so this morning, I want us to look at three areas of our lives where we need to make sure that we are displaying as much humility as possible. Okay, so the first area I want us to explore today is the area of personal humility. Now, in this series, we are walking through a portion of Romans chapter 12. And by way of reminder, the first 11 chapters Paul spends in Romans dealing with the glorious things that God has already done for us in the gospel. Chapter 12 is where he transitions to explaining what that means for how we treat each other. And just a side note, that's actually how it's supposed to work, right? Gospel imperatives, in other words, what you must do, 
always should grow out of gospel indicatives, right? What, what God has already done. I heard a pastor say it this way. His done fuels your do. In other words, the fire to do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done already. And so, Paul is leading us down a path of doing because of what Jesus has already done. Which brings us to this portion of Romans 12 that we're going to be in this morning in verses 15 and 16. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along to be on the screen with us. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, if we are going to be people of great humility... It has to start from within. This is why Paul includes the charge at the end of these verses to us that says, Never be wise in your own sight. Now, the Bible is full of verses that give us direction for what our personal lives should look like from a humility standpoint. Here are a few just pivotal points that we should apply to our lives. Psalm 147.6 says this, The Lord lifts up the humble. He cast the wicked to the ground. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Multiple times throughout the book of Proverbs, we are told that humility comes before honor. All throughout the Bible, we are told to humble ourselves and then he will exalt us. It's it's really clear what God wants from us when it comes to being humble people. The question is then, why do we struggle so much doing this? And I think it's because it's pride is just so sneaky. Right? It's not like it sticks his head out and shouts, yo, here I am, right? No, it's, it's more cunning than that. You guys, you guys remember the Lion King, right? Everybody likes the Lion King. Um, the Lion King, in the part in the Lion King where Mufasa is teaching Simba how to pounce, right? And so he has Simba in the bush, and he's like, hey, lower, lower, be real quiet, be real quiet. And when the enemy is, or when your prey is least expecting it, then you pounce, Right, And this is, this is how I picture pride working in our lives a lot of times. It's a, attacking us when we least expect it. John Piper wrote an article identifying three types of prideful people. And I want, I want to share with you these, these, these types of prideful people. And I want you to see if you notice any of these traits in your life. First, there is the self-preoccupied person. The self-preoccupied person. This is the person who thinks continually about himself. Externally, he may look humble, but internally you are consumed with thoughts about yourselves. And here's the thing. You might not even like yourself, but you are still the center of your own attention. So that's the self-preoccupied person. There's also the self-infatuated person. Now this person does really feel pretty good about themselves. They, um, they're not really only occupied with themselves, but they like being the center of their own attention, and they think others would like it as well. 
Now, this person may or may not be outgoing, but they find themselves entertaining or intelligent or handsome or shrewd, even if nobody else is impressed. I had a little personal run-in with this type of pride just last week. I was uh, playing basketball with some guys, some guys that were much younger than me, and my youngest son, Merrick, he loves playing basketball. We play in the backyard all the time, but he'd never had an opportunity to watch me play like in a real game. So I invite him, and, him, I, and so he's overshooting on the other court, but when a game would play that I would get in, he would come watch. And he'd sit on the bleachers, and he would watch or whatever. And So we're on the way home. And I say to him, I say, Merrick, I said, well, that's the first time you've ever had a chance to watch Daddy play basketball. Was, was I better or was I worse than what you thought I'd be? And he was like, mm, you're a little worse. And I was like, oh, okay. He said, but Daddy, don't take offense. Everybody in there was just so much better than you. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So it's like uppercut, then haymaker, you know what I mean? Like, okay, great, man, awesome. But then there is also the third type of person here is the self exalting person. Now, this person goes beyond self-preoccupation and self-infatuation to active efforts to display his or her qualities. Like, this person does care if others see and admire them, and they want the praise. And so let me ask you, do you see yourself in any of those descriptions? Like, I would encourage you to take a pen and just maybe circle one of those and see uh, if you see yourself in them. And then here's the thing. If you notice traits about yourself in any of those, then I want you to do just like Simba, and I want you to pounce on those things. You need to pounce on those every time you have those thoughts. Every time you find yourself thinking too much about yourself or too much about your feelings. Every time the focus is on you, you pounce. You, you take those thoughts captive and you surrender them to the Lord. Because here's the thing, if, if there was a danger presenting itself to your home, you would do everything in your power to protect your home and protect your people. And listen, friends, pride is a danger to you. And so you should do everything in your power to protect yourself. And so the first area that we need to make sure we are displaying as much humility as possible is in regard to personal humility. Now, the second area I want us to explore uh, as far as needing humility in our lives is with relational humility. Now, just like personal humility, the Bible also has a lot to say in how we are to utilize humility when focusing on our relationships with other people. For instance, Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mark 9.35 and says, And Jesus said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Titus 3.2 says, To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, and to be gentle, and to show courtesy toward all people. And then we're even reminded of it in our text today where Paul is telling us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with one another. Last week I asked this question on on Facebook. I said, if you could list an area where you needed to exercise the most humility in your life, what would it be? And the vast majority of people said it was this right here. It was in relationship to other people, relational humility. But see, this is a difficult area to conquer because 
we're now in this world of social interactions via an online community and or social media, right? So we have these different levels of relationships. We have true friends, and then we have online acquaintances. We have immediate family, and then we have those family members that we would like to block on social media, right? You know, hashtag everybody's crazy uncle. Here's the thing, regardless of the relationship, the mandate doesn't change. We are told to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. But many times we get it reversed, don't we? Many times we rejoice with those who weep. And we weep for those who rejoice. And for many... That's a direct result of a lack of personal humility. We are too wrapped up in ourselves to rejoice or weep with other people. And listen, media and social media are only hurting us in this area. Friends, can, can, I, can I remind you of something this morning? You have complete control of what you allow into your mind. If the news is causing you to have hard feelings towards other people, turn off the TV. If social media is causing you to be down and agitated, did you know that you could actually scroll past and not even engage with those people? Or, here's a crazy idea, put your phone down. Here's the thing. I completely understand getting in a bad headspace because of the, all of the negativity that we find ourselves faced with. But it doesn't justify us allowing it to overcome our emotions. I read this quote this, this past week. when it, it just kind of gives perspective when it comes to relational humility. It says, we are God's plan to make it believable that he is good and loving and true. And friends, it's just not worth it. You trying to prove a point and sharing your opinion is not worth turning someone away from Jesus. And in full disclosure, I'm not talking to you as someone who is not, listen, I'm telling you from this, I'm speaking to you as someone who has had to go back and delete a lot of comments and put my phone down. I get the struggle, but at the end of the day, it's just not worth it because I would much rather my relationships know Jesus than know my opinions. But that's only one area of relational humility, right? There's, there's also the area of our family. And nobody will teach you humility faster than those closest to you. Whenever, uh, whenever April and I, uh, she went into labor with our first son, Hollis, I'm trying to be dad of the year, right? It's the first time, I mean, I'm just like every other first time dad, and she's and, you know, getting ready, and uh, she's in the delivery room, and I, all I remember is the class we took, right? In the class, they said, just keep talking to her and encourage her to breathe right and, you know, squeeze your hand and all the things. And so I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so good. Just keep breathing. I'm doing the breathing techniques with her. I'm like, you are, you're such, you're, you're, man, you're a rock star. You're going to be the best mom ever. You keep going. You, you got this. You got this. And she says, she says, I need you to do something for me. Yes, ma'am. Whatever it is, I'm here. She says, I need you to get out of my face. Your breath smells so bad. <laughs> So listen, for me, becoming a husband and a father was easily the most humbling thing I've ever done, right? But listen, in all seriousness, 
It is our job to serve our families. And we are to love unconditionally. And listen, sometimes that's difficult. You know, there are seasons in every relationship, and some seasons are easier to walk through than others, and family uh, and familial relationships are no different. But again, the calling doesn't change. In our home, we repeat a quote to one another pretty frequently, and it goes like this, consider others better than yourself. But here's the thing, it sounds super spiritual, right? But if Hollis and Merrick are not seeing mom and dad do that, then we are not displaying genuine relational humility. We're just giving lip service, not application. And listen, I hope you will take a second and look around at what is happening to our country. We are living in a time that none of us have ever experienced before. Humility does not exist anywhere. Therefore, it's absolutely imperative that our homes reflect humility. Because we might not be able to change an entire society by ourselves, but we can change our homes. And the trickle-down effect of that is that we begin to see the much-needed and desired changes that we all want. And so here's a challenge I have for you this week. I challenge you to do something for someone this week who cannot repay you. Do something for someone this week who can't repay you. So personal humility, relational humility, and finally the third area for a look at this morning, and arguably the most important, is spiritual humility. A few weeks ago, uh, one of our students purchased a new Bible and and, uh, asked our student staff to highlight a few verses that meant a lot to us. And as I was walking uh, through what to highlight, I landed on these verses in James In James 4, verses 13 through 16, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. And beside these verses that I highlighted in that Bible, I wrote down the same words that are written in my Bible, and it simply says this. It says, write your plans in pencil. Write your plans in pencil. My grandmother, uh, she used to tell me all the time, you want to make God laugh, you tell him that you will never do something. I remember uh, when in seminary when I was getting ready to graduate and we started looking for our first church to serve at. And at the time, one thing that I was not a big fan of, and I really have no idea why, but I was just not a big fan of churches that had cemeteries like right beside them. And so I remember we were getting ready you know, to graduate and start putting out resumes. And I told April, I said, listen, one thing that I just will not do is serve at a church that has a cemetery. Will not do it. Like, that's, I just don't want to do that. So fast forward to going for our interview at our very first church, and do you care to know what we pulled up and saw? You know where this is going, right? Not only was this sweet church, uh, not only did it have a cemetery, uh, the parking lot was built around the cemetery, and it had a walkway that went around it and through it, so you could park and walk through the cemetery as you went to church, right? And it ended up being 
uh, one of the sweetest times of our lives, right? And But here's the thing. I, I'm not saying to you this morning that we aren't allowed to have preferences. Uh, that's not what I'm saying to you at all. Matter of fact, I actually believe that when we are completely surrendered to the Lord's will, that sometimes he will even give us a choice and will bless it either way. But what I am saying is that we should come into any decision we are facing, whether at home, whether at work, wherever, in a spot of spiritual humility. Because let me remind you of something. You did nothing to get anything you have in life. And I know that sounds kind of hard, right? And you're like, ah, man, listen, it's all a gift from the Lord. Right? Maybe you work really hard. And that's awesome. But who gave you that work ethic? Maybe you're very successful in your career. And, and again, that's great. But who gave you that talent? You see, unfortunately, there are many people who never fully submit because they are fearful that God may ask them to do something outside of their comfort. And maybe he will. Or maybe he will use your current platform to bring his people to himself. The point is, us trying to control God's plans is the opposite of spiritual humility. It's, it's pride. And that's just not our role. Our role is to be imitators of Christ. Scripture clearly and repeatedly tells us the purpose for which we were created. Our reason for being alive is to glorify God. I once heard someone explain what it means to glorify God this way. It says, God doesn't change, but the way people view him and think of him does change. So everything we say, everything we do, everything we think and feel can be to enhance God's reputation, to give people a glimpse of how good and great God really is. You see, you can't glorify God and glorify yourself at the same time. I mean, have you ever really thought, have you ever considered the fact that you get to play a role in God's story? Have you ever marveled at that? And if you would say this morning that you are a follower of Jesus, then the result of this is that you are now called by God to showcase the power of his spirit by the way that you live. Your mission is to do this until he calls you home or he comes and gets us. And being humble followers of Jesus, who with a genuine heart says to him, okay, Lord, whatever, whenever I'm yours, is pivotal for us fulfilling that call. And so the question is, and we ask our students this all the time. Is your yes on the table? Is your yes on the table? Because you could be missing out on some big spiritual blessings. And so as we get ready to wrap this up this morning, let's do a quick review and, and application. Personal humility. Humble ourselves and he will exalt us. And there's relational humility. Consider others better than yourself. Then there's spiritual humility. Fully submit to God and his master plan. 
You know who gives us a great example in Scripture of how all three of these work together really beautifully? The one that we are supposed to be imitating. Jesus. Now obviously there are, a, there are numerous places throughout the Bible that we could look to see these played out. But I want us to look as, at Jesus' last physical miracle before his crucifixion that involved another person. The story is, is listed in all four Gospels, but only in the, in the book of John do we get a name to go with the person. And the guy's name is Malchus. The night before Jesus was arrested, we are told about a confrontation that happens between Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and Malchus, who is a servant of the high priest. And basically what happens is these men are about to arrest Jesus and Peter pulls out his sword and he slices Malchus's ear off the side of his head. Now, Dustin in my flesh is like, yeah, now that's how you take care of your boys right there, right? Slice his ear off. You know what he's about to do. But that's not how Jesus responds at all, is it? No. Jesus stops all of the fighting. That was the result of his arrest. That's personal humility. Jesus touches Malchus's ear and heals it. That's relational humility. And then he allows them to seize him and lead him to a trial that will result in him being killed because that was God's plan. And friends, that's spiritual humility. That's the type of humility that we should all strive to imitate. And if you are like me and you look at that example and you say, man, I'm not able to do that. You know what? You are exactly right. Within ourselves, we can't do this. This is why the gospel is so vitally important for each one of us. Because within ourselves, we are broken people in desperate need of a Savior. It all comes back to Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Our lives should be about Jesus. Our salvation is about Jesus. And when we give our lives to Jesus, He takes control. He's in the driver's seat. He becomes our main priority, and it should transform everything. It should transform how you interact with your spouse. It should transform how you interact with your children. It transforms how you interact with those people you work with. It transforms how you talk to the cashier at Target. It transforms how you engage with someone on social media. It transforms everything, including our pride. And when we give our lives to Jesus and we allow him to transform our lives, then we can read scripture like we read today and adequately apply to our lives. That says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with one another and do not be haughty 
but associate with the lowly and never be wise in your own sight.